Hubbard, DJ, and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag NFL. I'm excited to see if he can help us out and give us a little something. And um, it's a player that I've, you know, I've known forever you know it was way back to his high school days and and uh, admired him tremendously over the years always disappointed we didn't get him back in the day there's pete carroll talking about adrian peterson going to seattle peterson going to the practice squad seattle trying to get some answers figure something out the offense isn't going well they are three and eight Terrible record in the uh, NFC West. They thought they were a playoff team, and they look like they are a long way away from that. I doubt Adrian Peterson is the answer, but they're reaching for something at this point. Well, I think Peterson's goal is to play for every NFL team. I think he's got three more to go. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> Knock them all out. I need 32 jerseys with my name on the back. Thursday Night Football, Cowboys, Saints, Taysom Hill, expected to be the starter. They have uh, struggled. He'll be the third different guy to start for the Saints this year. But if you're just around 500, and they are, that keeps you in the playoff race. And post-Drew Brees, that's what they're trying to do, stay in a postseason and see if he can help them out against the Cowboys, who are 7-4 and four and leading the NFC East. Well, if you're going to pay him, you might as well play, play him. him. That would seem to make sense, wouldn't it? The yeah. Saints got off to a great start. They were 5-2, and two and they'd beaten the Bucs and looked like a contender in division. They dropped four games in a row. So, Taysom was 3-1 and one as a starter a year ago. We'll see. He'll probably get, uh, I would think he'll get a few games here. We'll see what he does. <laughs> when did quarterbacks become like pitchers? You assign a record to them based on if they start or not. That Ooh. seems so bizarre in football. Yeah, but that's where they get credit for, wins. Not so much stats if you don't win. But you're right. Then There's why, so many things that go into a game. It's like if a you know somebody scores on special teams. Like how did either quarterback figure into that? So it, it just seems so stupid. Bucks wide receiver Antonio Brown expected to miss uh, at least two more weeks due to a sprained ankle he suffered in Week Six against the Eagles. Get him healthy. Get him back for the playoffs. They're clearly going to be in the postseason. So get him ready for the playoffs. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. When you talk to Scott Woodward, he has a clear uh, way of communicating. And it was 45 minutes, and I had an understanding of where LSU was from a commitment and how this was going to look. And so I say that's pretty quick. That's Brian Kelly, his introductory press conference. There's a clear vision, PK. Yeah, $95 million. That's pretty clear. <laughs> I had it after 45 minutes. Technically, I had it after about four minutes, but we'll Come go 45. On. Let's see. It's a clear vision. We're going to win every game from now until here until eternity. <laughs> and you're going to get paid $20 million if you keep them. Give me a break. And Nick Saban won... Uh, 
won a BCS title in 2003 and less miles in 2007. And then Ed Orgeron won the playoff in 2019. So here's a pile of money. If you need anything, knock on the door. I'll make sure you have it. Just make sure you win it all. Yeah, and then Coach O in two years became Coach Ono. Gone. They're not into 500 seasons around there. So well, the good go. thing, though, is that he has enough money to buy a cheeseburger, so that, that, that's, it's, it's going to be okay. Notre Dame defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman, with mounting support from players and recruits, has emerged as the leading candidate to become the Fighting Irish. Oh, he's going to be the head coach, isn't he? Well, anytime you can get mounting support. Tommy Reeves, expected to stay in South Bend. And not go to LSU with Ke- Kelly and continue to be Notre Dame's offensive coordinator. So, they miss That's Kelly, good. but they'll keep most of the rest of the band together. Because uh, until uh, last night, I had no idea who Tommy Rees was. Corner Canyon High School star Devin Brown, originally committed to USC. They had the coaching change. He said no go on the old verbal pledge to the Trojans, and now he's committed to Ohio State. Which means nothing. Time to change his mind again. Well, he's got five times to change his mind uh, because uh, he can get the free transfer. Only one quarterback is going to play. They they shouldn't even they should barely even announce quarterback signings. Uh, He'll be with us for the time being. (laughs) (laughs) But as soon as I announce a starting quarterback, all bets are off. Yeah, and that's not picking on any particular kid by oh, any stretch. It's plenty just a reality of examples. Of the situation. Yeah, there's plenty of examples across college football. If you don't win the starting job, time to move on. Yeah, right. College football playoffs board of managers unable to agree on an expanded playoff format. They're going to meet again in January in Indianapolis. They meet when the title, the playoff title game is there. So still deciding 8, 10, or 12. And are they going to have the six highest ranked conference champs? Or will it be... Power five conference champs are in, and then the best G5. Just in case, you know, the Pac-12 or the ACC, like this year, would have a champion rated beneath a couple of G5 leagues. They want to be covered, depending on how things play out on this championship weekend. It, this could be the kind of year that the Power Five leagues would fear. Well, it depends on how many teams. I don't think they would fear it if it's 12, though. I mean, maybe eight, but if it's 12... I absolutely think they should get in there. And the number one reason why I think they should get in there, then it encourages better games in the non-conference. And particularly if they're going to drop down to eight, I don't need to see the SEC play uh, Akron or whomever and Mercer uh, like these teams. And they don't only play one, they play two gimmies. And this way, if you know you're going to get in, if you win, then what's the difference if you lose one or two games like the Utes did? I realize they didn't lose to uh, Power 5. I understand that. But for all intent and purposes, they sort of did. Uh, I want to see better games earlier in the year. And to me, if you got an act, an automatic bid, then really play better games. That, 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 that encourages better matchups earlier in the year. And it, go to 12, give the 5, and then, you know, if you're ranked uh, in the top whatever, 12 or the other ones, you can throw one or two their way and then then put in the SEC teams, and away you go. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Anthony driving on Jeff Green. Step back. Jumper. Got it! 
Terrence Davis doubled at midcourt, finds Fox. Fox now accelerates in the lane, goes to the right, scores off the dribble, and that will seal the deal for the Kings. Giannis down the lane, attacks, scoops it, up and in! It's the go-ahead bucket with two seconds to play! Here come the Hornets, a half-court heave at the hole! In and out! What a ball game! The Bucks will survive it! The Bucks beat the Hornets 127-125. Giannis, 40 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists, and you heard it there, the game-winning bucket with 2 seconds left. Buckets improved to, or the Bucks improved to 14 and 8, and they are tied for second in the East with the Wizards and Bulls. That's actually what they should have done. Should have named themselves the Buckets. That would have been awesome. The Milwaukee Buckets. Yeah. Dallas Mavericks set a club record. Highest field goal percentage in a game in a 139-107 route of the Pelicans. They make two out of three shots all night long. 68% from the floor when it's all said and done. A massive number, PK. Who makes that? It's just getting hot, staying hot from three, around the rim, everything. 68.7%. Huge Amazing. The Rockets get a rare win. They beat the Thunder 114 to 110. Houston risking that uh, number one pick. And the Kings beat the Clippers 124-115. It all comes down to the lottery at that point. Denver Nuggets, shorthanded, fall into Orlando, 108-103. The Denver Nuggets will just be shorthanded every night for the rest of the season. That's how it's going to play out for them. A year wrecked by injuries. They're under 510-11 now. Miami Heat Center, bomb out of bio, undergoing surgery to repair a torn ligament in his thumb. He's expected to be out four to six weeks. And the Heat and the Bulls. Punished with the loss of second-round draft picks because of premature discussions into free agency. Lonzo Ball, Kyle Lowry had a four-month investigation. They're going to lose their next available second-round pick. Why those two teams? Oh, Haven't wow. there been a gazillion teams that talked to free agents too early? We're stepping up enforcement now. Well, how about you actually penalize them with something that matters? How about a first-round draft pick? The Jazz had three, had three first-round pick, or second-round second picks. Pick. None of them are worth a crap. A couple years back. So what? I would take if I get a head start and like I can Kyle Lowry convince <laughs> yeah. this dude to sign. I'll risk the yeah, second round pick. Okay, here, you, here's my second round picks. You want in uh, a free round of golf at the country club too? Here, I'll throw that into. They'll probably be able to buy back into the second round at some point. You would think. Yeah. There are many years we hear about that happening. Oh, many, many DJ. You have no idea. I really don't. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. 59-57 with 2.45 to play. Amac for three. Bottom! Oh, he did not hesitate, Jim. Did not hesitate. Caught that and set it right into the face of the defender. Daz Amac gives UVU the lead. Rebound, UVU, Connor Harding. Dishes off. Slam dunk. Tim Fuller. 
My goodness! It's a three-point UBU lead with a minute 48 to play in overtime. UBU will trigger. They'll get it in to breakaway. Blaze Neal, he's not going to score. He's going to run out the clock. That's classy. UBU wins it in overtime. Final score, 72-65. Fans are rushing the court. And they should be. UBU has ranked team to ever come into this place. UBU has done it. What a finish. UVU beats BYU in OT, 72-65. Fardaz Amak with the go-ahead three-pointer. He had 24 points, 22 boards, and four assists as UVU wins in overtime, 72-65. That's the first loss of the year for BYU. The 12th-ranked Cougars have been undefeated. UVU improves to 7-1. BYU ice cold at the end of regulation, PK. Missing 11 in a row, 14 out of 15. A couple buckets there, and it- it could have been another win, but they only got one of the last 15 to go. So you watched the game then, obviously, huh? Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I'm not telling. Oh, I kn- no, I know you did, because now you finally know how to pronounce the guy's name. <laughs> well, he had 24 <laughs> points. I've only been trying to tell you so, for about two months now. <laughs> and I had it it's down. It's obvious you watched we the game. Him, we had him on. Fardaz Amak. <laughs> it's now you find you don't have to ask Yak how do you pronounce his name because you heard it mentioned throughout the entire broadcast. AI MAQ. So you 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 watch the game. Admit it. Now I know. Nope. I was just listening to Greg <laughs> Rubel. He had a down cold. You're lying. <laughs> and of course, the other big story in that game is that four minutes in, they lost Gavin Baxter, and after the game, Mark Pope said it's a torn ACL and he is out for the season. Another injury. Yeah, I would think he's done. It's unfortunate. The kid can't stay healthy. There's really little point at this point. USC went on a huge run late in the first half, built up a 20-point halftime lead, and ultimately beat the Utes by 20, 93-73. USC remains undefeated, and both teams... Pac-12 opener, they pick up the win, and the Utes drop to 5-2. And And Brandon Carlson was hurt in the first half of that game. He didn't return. Booth Gotch went for 28, but that's a footnote and a 20-point loss. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's that's really bad for Carlson because he looks like he's got some talent. I don't know how long he's going to be out. I didn't think the Utes were going to be at at sea with. We can talk about injuries all you want, and I know the the guy who does the uh, write-ups for the – Utes sends it over, injury depleted. Well, they could have had everybody be 100% healthy, and they still weren't going to win that game. Utah State and St. Mary's. Aggies are 6-1. The Gales are 7-1. They play in Logan tonight. You'll listen to the game on the radio here on The Zone with Scotty G. And CBS Sports Network will have the uh, TV broadcast at 7 o'clock. Also, Big Sky Conference action. Weber State opening up against your NAU Lumberjacks, PK. Lumberjacks are three and four. Weber State a perfect six and zero. Oh, their best start since the eighty five eighty six season. Yeah, well, we'll see what the Lumberjacks can do. I can tell you right now that Troy Hudson is not walking through that door. Southern Utah at Eastern Washington. Those Big Sky games start at seven o'clock tonight. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Well, we've had several mornings here where it was one massive free agent deal after another, but everything comes to a screeching halt because Major League Baseball locked out its players overnight. They will continue to work on a new labor contract. They made little progress, so the lockout has begun, which won't really affect anything for a couple months. Pitchers and catchers reporting. Assume that'll get pushed back. 
be awesome if they just got through this in a couple weeks, but it seems like there's no chance that's happening. Nope, never is. No free agency now, no trades for anybody on the 40-man roster, everything frozen, and uh, and we'll wait. No communication between team officials and players. Get the burner phone. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, Joe Ingles is going to join us today, 9 o'clock. RSL interim coach Pablo Mastroeni at 8 o'clock as they get ready for the Western Conference Final in Portland Saturday night. And Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst, Pac-12 Network Analyst, will join us coming up in the next segment to talk Utes and Ducks in the Pac-12 title game Friday night. Lincoln Kennedy's weekly visit coming up next right here on the Zone Sports Network. This is Unrivaled. Guys are doing a hell of a job. So what's the thing that pushes Kyle Whittingham to not be at Utah anymore? That pushes him not to be at Utah? Yeah. Or, or to stay at At what at point Utah? is he going to be say, you know oh, what, just, I am going to be done? When I'm retired. I don't see Kyle Whittingham going, all right, I'm going to go build another program. I don't think that he wants to do that. I think he's got this thing where it's a well-oiled machine and they, they got it rolling. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's time to bring in Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He joins us every week to talk college football, and he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain's given free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular and hosting subscription. Please visit smartrain.net or call 877-346-3333. Lincoln, good morning. DJ PK, it's okay. What's going on, man? Everybody okay? Everybody is yeah. okay. Everybody yeah. is looking forward to a big game Friday night in Las yeah. Vegas. Utes or Ducks, and I think we all know that a second game will probably look different than a first game. And man, the Ducks—they they got to play better than that. I think everybody's thinking that, but. You're an old offensive lineman. The Utes <laughs> dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Is that really going to change dramatically, or are the Utes going to be able to count on that edge in this game? Well, knowing Mario Cristobal, the, uh, the, the coach of Oregon, I think that will change. I don't know how you change it, because the thing is, is that when you're physical against another team, you're just physical against another team. I don't know what you do. To, you, you put more people in a line of scrimmage. How do you change that? Because it's an attitude more as than, than a technical adjustment. And the thing is, for Oregon, you know, they've got something to prove. They, 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 went, into, they went into Ohio State and Columbus and beat a very good Ohio State team early in the year. And they kind of had their way through the conference throughout the year. But... They didn't against Utah. So, you know, the second game around, you know what the, the other team is going to do. you got to try to um, sort of uh, go against it or, you know, combat it. It's easier said than done because there's no way that you can coach physical. physical. It has to come from inside the guys, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. I'm wondering, as uh, you being the former player, how much can Cristobal tap into guys, man, we got our butts kicked, we got to show them, as opposed to, all right, yeah, that might be there, but we got to look at the technical aspect of the game and make sure we improve in whatever areas that we need to improve in. 
Well, that's the thing. See, the, the, the thing is paying attention to details. A lot of times it's easier said than done. When coaches, you know, address the team, and they're like, well, we got to play more physical. we got to be more physical. You know, a lot of times it goes in one ear and out the other because a lot of times guys think they're playing physical. It wasn't like they were, you know, playing soft um, or they purposely played soft. They just got their butts handed to them. So this time around, it's there's more of a pride thing that has to come from within for guys who want to stand up and play better. So I am, uh, I'm curious how much of that is just adrenaline. I mean, if you look at me, you know that dude didn't play offensive line after the fourth grade. He wasn't big <laughs> enough. So how much of that is it? Because you hear offensive linemen when you really talk to one, and, and we work with Hans Olsen, and every once in a while he will just really get into line play and technique and where your hands go. How much of that is that, and how much of it is PK's jersey attitude? I'm going to line up across from you. You freaking humiliated me two weeks ago, but it is not happening today. And you get the adrenaline rush going, and you handle a guy who did kick your butt for three hours two weeks ago. Well, that adrenaline rush has to be handled with control because if you have, or you just see red in your eyes, and you want to go out and take somebody's head off, you're going to be playing out of control. And a lot of times that creates penalties, creates miscues. More times, guys get you out of your what your 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 true assignment and uh, uh, adjusting for it. So you got to play within control. You got to be controlled. But a lot of times, when you play in a team another time or a second time, and it happens more so in the pros than it does in college, it's an opportunity to get your revenge. You know what you did wrong the last time? You tried to make up for it this time because you're hoping to do the same thing. Now, for the other team, it's like, you know, I'm not going to do the same thing I did to you last time. I know you're going to be prepared for it. i got to do something new to you. That's why you have to play with the control, and that's why you have to play smart. And we'll see if Oregon is able to play smart against Utah this time because last time they didn't get it done. No, they certainly didn't. You look at uh, Utah's ability to stop uh, Oregon State, or Oregon, I should say, in the run, and it was very impressive. And then conversely, the Utes, which has always been a staple under Kyle, actually both run defense and run offense. Uh, that's what we've known, come to know for his program for so many years. Uh, but I was surprised. I don't know if I was surprised. Maybe that's the wrong word. But that Oregon couldn't run the ball at all because and I realize I got Verdell out, but Dye's pretty good, and that other freshman's decent. Uh, what can be done from a technical aspect to make sure that they have better success, speaking of Oregon, being able to run the ball? It's absolutely essential that Oregon has to run the ball, so they have to pay attention to details again. They're going to have to start with more simplistic runs uh, where you're running inside of the tackles, between the tackles, to run downhill and attack Utah uh, as best you can. And more importantly, the thing is you have to stay with it because Utah is going to be ultimately prepared for those initial runs at the start of the game. You might get you know one or two yards a run, the thing is, is later in the game, you have to open that up to where you get four or five yards a game, uh, four or five yards per run. And you have to, you have to push the, the, the Utah defense. Easier said than done because Utah's prepared for it, especially with the rotation. So you're going to have to find an answer for Devin Lloyd. You're going to have to find an answer for Utah's defensive line. Uh, more importantly, you're going to have to find an answer the way that you can address the safeties coming in the box to help support the run. Uh, and you've got to get some push up front. And that's, that's going to be the key to Oregon's success if they're going to have any. So for years, we watched BYU and Utah play Air Force, and we have gotten used to watching a team that can run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and they don't throw it often. But when they hit you, they hit you for a big play. There's plenty of doubters and plenty of people critical of Anthony Brown. 
Right. Do you think he can make a handful of big plays? I mean, he doesn't usually have to carry this team because they can usually run the ball. And if they only run for 63 yards like they did against the Utes, they're probably beaten no matter what he does. But do you trust him to make a few big plays in the second half of a close game if it comes to that? Well, look, I'm thinking Utah's going to win this game again. I, I thought Utah was the more physical team all year. So I'm not surprised that Utah's in this position uh, to play Oregon for the Pac-12 championship. As far as Anthony Brown's concerned, I, I, I thought when the games that I did with him with the Pac-12 network, he didn't really truly understand his progression or trust his receivers. Now, as the year progressed, obviously that trust increased and stuff like that. But still, there was there was a, a, a lacking from a guy who came from a passing school in Boston College to where he is right now. Uh, with that being said, if the run doesn't work and doesn't allow you to open up play action or how you open up lanes to run to throw the ball, it's going to be a long day for Oregon's offense. I still am not there with Anthony Brown throwing the ball more times than running the ball and think that Oregon's going to have a success. Yeah, I agree. I've been saying that all season. I'm with you, Lincoln. Arm in arm. You probably don't want me to be an arm in arm with you, but I am arm in arm. Should you be? That's okay. We we can do that. (laughs) (laughs) I also was surprised that Oregon's defense last week against Oregon State really controlled the run because Oregon State has been a great running offense yeah. all season but you Oregon's defense I think that I wasn't surprised that they won the game but as I watched the game and then of course look at the stats afterward that wow they really did a good job how much do you think that they can be effective run def- defense against Utah's run offense I think that was a true test for the Pac-12 championship to slow down Oregon State's run offense negate them make them one-dimensional was going to play into their favor when they played against Utah and I think that was a good sign because if anything it built confidence coming into this Utah game look the last time these two teams came, uh, played uh, you know they were out physical that you guys mentioned we talked about earlier in this, in this interview if this was a good sort of prelude to come if you will as you build up to this moment to see if Oregon can stand the you know can stand the true test uh, and, and they, they were able to work it. I wasn't necessarily surprised. Uh, I thought Oregon State was going to be better, uh, sort of more of tuned to, to, to play Oregon when they did, but I wasn't necessarily surprised because Oregon's a good football team. I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but it's going to be anyone's guess if they can duplicate that against Utah because I think Utah is still more physical even than Oregon State. The Utes have been throwing the ball better this year. People are falling in love with Cam rising. Uh, but there are Ute fans who are still scarred by the passing game's inability to, to get it done at different times over the last, well, many years, actually. Uh, <laughs> is, it, is it different now? Should Ute fans put away the old nightmares and trust the Cam rising? And the passing game are going to make big plays against the Ducks. Appreciate the tight end play for the Utah offense. And what I mean by that is the fact that you've got tight ends that can run effective routes that are good size, and it makes it very difficult for opposing defenses to slow them down. You don't have linebackers who are capable of staying with them. You don't have safeties who are capable of staying with them. So appreciate the tight end passing game when it comes to this offense. And more importantly, Ryzen, Kevin Ryzen is playing well. He's learned what he has as far as weapons to throw down the field. I think that the Utah fans should appreciate that. It's come a long way. But Andy Legwood and this coaching staff has put a lot into this team, especially using the tight ends. They're 12 and 13 personnel. Appreciate it because it really is fundamentally sound, and it's good to see because you know for, for a young quarterback who might have struggled early or might have not really found his way, to know that he can depend on those tight ends and they'll be effective is really a, really a fun thing to play with.
Last week when you came on the day before Thanksgiving, I asked you about the coaching hires and how sexy the uh, USC Trojans needed to be. So they go and get a big name. Do you think that that was sexy enough? And what's your anticipation of this person in this job? USC is a top five job. It is a high profile job. Um, the fact that they went out and got Lincoln Riley was surprising and, and, and commending, you know, absolutely um, from the standpoint where I believe that if USC football is relevant, not only in the Pac-12, Pac-12, but in the national standings, it's relevant for football, much like, you know, the Dallas Cowboys or the Raiders for professional football. If they're relevant, it's good for football. That's the same thing for USC. I think now USC is going to be relevant. They're going to be a team to watch. There's going to be a team that's going to gather a lot of attention. I'm surprised that they were able to get Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, but at the same point, it is a very sexy pick, and you know, congratulations to the Trojans. So after the Michigan-Ohio State game, uh, Harbaugh took a tremendous shot at Ryan Day. You know, the whole some people are on third base and think they hit a triple, and they didn't. Um, so Lincoln Riley, was, was he born on third base getting that Oklahoma job? Does, <laughs> is he, I mean, that's not who Harbaugh was talking about, but and if yeah. you're the Pac-12, you've got to wonder, well, Oklahoma was up and running. Now, you did a great job of running it for five years to win 55 games, but USC is not up and running. USC, that car's got to be rebuilt. Yes, and, and, and see, that's when you need someone who runs who was able to run a program. I know that Oklahoma's established, but at the same point, Lincoln Riley did wonders for the quarterbacks that he had, and you guys know as well as I do, in this game, if you have a quarterback, you have a chance. So it's, it's up to Lincoln Riley to bring in the recruits, especially a quarterback, to make you know, USC viable again. I think he can. Uh, you know, USC uh, without Lincoln Riley is a brand that's well known. It's been down for some years. Clay Helton tried to find his way. He never really found his true way. But since Pete Carroll left, um, USC has been trying to figure out what, who they are, their true identity. I think Lincoln Riley brings that back. Much like Chip Kelly brought it to UCLA, much like you know Herm Edwards brought it to ASU, you know regardless of the future of those programs, the fact is is that USC has to be viable in the conversation with college football, and because it is a highly prolific job, Lincoln Riley is a name that's been out there that's been associated with possible you know pro names for many years. And Heisman Trophy winners, as well as Heisman Trophy candidates, you saw the job that he did in Oklahoma. You saw the fact that he, you know, had two quarterbacks. One of them, you know, Spencer Rattler left uh, for another for another place. But you saw what he was able to do at his time in Oklahoma. You're hoping that he brings that same sort of notoriety to SC. If he makes SC viable, it's great for college football, and I think he will. How about the two Washingtons with the uh, promotion or elevation of the interim head coach at yeah. Washington State and then uh, what Washington did? You know, when, when you look at what the, the Washington school is doing, they're trying to get in line. And I knew that, you know, I have a personal relationship with Jen Cohen. She's a good friend of mine, uh, the athletic director of Washington. I knew she had an uphill job to try to find someone, especially with the jobs that were available. Think about it, guys. LSU, Florida. The USC, just to name a few, that were available. Can you remember the last time that's happened? Because I can't. You know, you talk no. about jobs that are open that you have to find candidates for. And more importantly, you know, if you're Washington, it wasn't as a proud alumni, it wasn't to me, it wasn't so much about the sexy 
sizzling pick. It was about a good quality pick, someone who knows how to run a program, someone who can build a coaching staff, someone who loves recruiting. And it was, the, you know, there was a very small amount of names that, that fit within that. And I think, you know, Washington was able to do a good job and finding, you know, somebody who's come up the ranks and was at Fresno State and was able to, to move up. As far as Wazoo, the same thing happens because Wazoo wasn't going to look as good as, say, Washington. Nothing against Wazoo. It is what it is. But Wazoo did from within because they realized watching their kids respond to what the coaching transition happened throughout the year and watching how they played, it was the right move. And I really appreciate the fact that Wazoo said, you know what, we don't need to try to outshine anybody. We need to step out what we have. Let's look at within and see what's work, and let's build from there. So... When Notre Dame loses a coach and they still have a shot at the playoff, it's like that was like the last bridge, right? We've seen plenty of coaches, head coaches, take off before a bowl game. There's nothing new about that. We've seen coordinators take off even though there's a playoff game to be played. The last thing you didn't do was have a head coach leave before the playoffs, and Notre Dame may not get in. Games may not break their way. But games might break their way. It's not a reach. How much did that bug you, and how much did you think – Hey, he's got a better chance to win a national title and they're giving him $95 million bucks. This is just what it is. Who cares if he left? And if they have to go to the playoffs without a coach, well, too bad for Notre Dame. I, you know, look, Notre Dame, like SC, is a high-profile job. Um, there are very few organizations or schools in a country that can stand alone uh, and stand on their own and support themselves. BYU, Texas, Notre Dame, SC, you know, um, you can even say Alabama at this particular point don't need conferences to be successful. But I thought with Brian Kelly, I thought specifically Notre Dame has such stringent recruitment policies that they weren't going to allow themselves to recruit the same people that would the same guys that would go to a LSU or go to an Alabama or go to some of the SEC schools. And, and that's good. I mean, look, you, you, you are who you are. But as long as Brian Kelly was at Notre Dame, he wasn't going to win a national championship. It's been proven. Re- regardless of the playoff situation this year, even if Notre Dame got in the playoff, they weren't going to beat you know, Alabama. They weren't going to beat Georgia. But let's, let's not try to fool ourselves. Heck, they couldn't even beat Cincinnati, who was up for the, the, the playoffs. So, you know, it would have been another time where you're hitting your head on the goalposts and you're, you're frustrated that you're not able to cross that level. So I'm not surprised that Brian Kelly took the LSU job. If you can't beat him, join him. Now he'll take his talents down to the SEC. He can recruit the same guys as Alabama, Georgia, and those other schools, and maybe they have a chance to compete, and maybe he can finally you know, get that uh, elusive national championship or be able to chase the competition to where he's able to, to compete with them. As far as Notre Dame being open, you know, uh, until Notre Dame gets off his high horse and starts understanding the way things are like a lot of schools, look, Washington needs to understand that NIL is important when it comes to recruiting. If you want to sit there and try to hold your academic standards by today's standard, today's game, you're not going to get those blue chippers. They're not going there because they go to places like Oregon, they go to places, other places, you know, and get that NIL money, you know, whether it's cryptocurrency or, 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 or plane tickets or houses or whatever the hell it is, NIL, you better get off your high horse and understand that today's game has changed. Um, until Notre Dame does that, Notre Dame is going to be a great brand, fun to watch on NBC, but they're never going to be any more than a second place sort of standard 
this, if you know what I mean. Lincoln, we will leave it right there. We'll leave the NFL for another week, but I, I am going to ask you in an ensuing show if uh, Bill Belichick really is Darth Vader in this six-game win streak. <laughs> My gosh, a rookie quarterback and everybody else passed on him, and are they going to beat the Bills Monday night and win the division? But we'll worry about that another week. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Be good. That's all uh, you show. Lincoln Kennedy. Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, but this week we stay focused on the college game with the Utes having the Pac-12 title game with the Ducks Friday night. All right, stay with us. Coming up, Joe Ingles is here at 9 o'clock this morning. Joe Ingles at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. I want to see BYU face somebody that is really going to put them to the challenge. Hell, throw him in the Rose Bowl with Utah. Let's go round oh. two on this bad boy. Could you imagine? People are going to be so... Oh, I know. At Scotty G. No, Tom. don't give him the Twitter account. <laughs> okay, obviously it's never going to happen. I just think it'd be funny for Utah fans finally get to the Rose Bowl and they look across the field and there's Kalani Sataki with a smile on his face like, yeah, we're here too, guys. <laughs> hey, did you see that parade? It was really cool. <laughs> did you see the gifts they gave us? This is incredible. Can you believe this payday? We're all going to be rich. Oh, you have to share your bowl purse? Oh, oh yeah, we get all of it. Okay. No, that, uh, I'm, that's I'm all I'm kidding. Scotty. I'm kidding. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hot Takes Your Toes brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. PK, you had the hot take of the night, and I have to say I misjudged a large portion of the audience. I like to see these and think, okay, what did people say? And most of the time, I got a pretty good feel for where it's going to go before I get too deep into the takes. But UVU gives BYU its first loss. They beat the 12th-ranked Cougars in overtime. And you post on Twitter, Utah Valley is West Coast Conference champions. Pretty proud of yourself right there? Oh, no, not really. Really? No, what? That was a good one. Dumb line. No, it wasn't. Silly. It was silly. It was was fabulous. It was well timed. Timing is everything. Uh, yeah, I can. I I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, you've and your timing got got glorious reactions. Britain, Britain Johnson. I see what you did there. Dot dot dot. That is funny. It was amusing. I'll give you that. Justin called it bloody marvelous. See, that, that's overstated. The real DQ at Quinney, who's got the BYU football avatar, says, congrats on a good win, UVU. Played it straight. The thing that I thought was unusual, and I, I was sitting in a hotel because I'm in Vegas right now. I am on the 25th floor of the Palms uh, for uh, our coverage of the football game, obviously, coming up tomorrow. So I'm bored in a hotel, and <laughs> so that's going to lead me to do stuff. Uh, you know, I've spent many, many days and hours and years, probably, if you total it up, in hotels over the years with the travel. Uh, 
So I started looking at the notifications, and I was surprised some people took it seriously. Like, for instance, I, I've got it up right now. This guy just tweets in at me. PK is lazy. He loves pot shots at BYU. He does not tweet Utah sarcastically, and I guess there's some he uh, at UU Utah. So he does not tweet at UU Utah at you Utah sarcastically just waiting for the anti-church tweet it will probably just be a comment on his radio show that people only listen to to hear DJ now I take great offense at that because I have gone on record (laughs) that some of my dearest friends are Latter-day Saints and I do not take pot shots at their religion I respect their religion immensely fire away PK fire away (laughs) Man, people, an anti-church people. tweet. He's calling me a religious bigot. Yes, he is. I That's am going to doing. get with my attorney. <laughs> Libel and slander. Here we go. Oh, man. It's just awesome when people read stuff, what they think they know. It's spectacular. I never take shots at Utah. Well, why would I? A... I love Utah. B, I hate the Mormons. When you put that together, if A and B always equal C. So, of course, that would be the case. And everyone knows that for 20 years, they only listen to you. I would think when I speak, they actually turn down the sound. Johnny Linehan tweeted at you, no lies detected. Use the GIF, the GIF game here. I'm going to alternate between GIF and GIF. Keep everybody happy. All things to all people, Johnny PK. The punter, yeah. yeah, the former punter was there. Ojo Henry yeah. gave you uh, Dwight shaking his head and, and going, yeah, at the camera. PK is good at his job. You got a lot of office tweets. You got uh, Simon Cal with an exaggerated clap from Joe Wheat. Uh, BYU Marriott Center, the official Marriott Center account, <laughs> or the unofficial Marriott Center. <laughs> when you click on it, it says, I am the mighty Marriott Center. Hilarious. <laughs> Amazing. Congrats on your banner. That's a funny tweet. Follow BYU Marriott Center. Somebody's got a sense of humor. But, I, you know, I think the more important issue here, it, what do I have to do to show more love to the LDS people? <laughs> Tell the truth. Tell the He's truth. He's waiting for an anti-church tweet. Hey, I well, I promise you. That you will wait a long time. I will tell you a quick Jerry Sloan story. Uh-huh. You know, obviously I covered Jerry Sloan for many, many years like we all did. Well, then I got to know him on a much more personal level going to Mexico with he and his wife, right? And Phil Johnson and his wife. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, somewhat humbling to to be around Jerry in a, in a social setting like that multiple times over multiple years. So he got to know my wife, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we come to a game, uh, uh, some, some random game, and we're walking on the concourse, and there's Jerry. And he's walking on the concourse, and he sees us coming, right? Mm-hmm. So he stops. He says, hey, man, it's good to see you, blah, 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 blah. And so he's chatting with the two of us, right, just because he's, he was just a marvelous man. And while we're standing there on the concourse, a fan comes up, uh, and, you know, obviously, Jerry, Hall of Famer, my gosh. 
uh, man of the people, but a Hall of Famer nonetheless. And the guy says to him, Jerry, Coach Sloan, Coach Sloan, man, I'm just waiting for you to be back on the sidelines coaching the Jazz. And he's talking to us, and he, without missing a beat, he turns to the guy, and he looks down because Jerry was tall, and he says, well, you're going to be waiting a hell of a long time then. And then, boom, <laughs> goes right. <laughs> and then right back into the conversation with you and your wife. Y- yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, he didn't. He didn't. And if he's talking to us, yeah. the guy comes up to us, boom, 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 and it goes right, right back to the conversation. And if you're around uh, truly famous people, some of them would have <laughs> stared at the person, just ignored them, or said, "Hey, I'm having a conversation here." Others would have turned and had a conversation and blown you off for a minute or two. But Jerry <laughs> did both drop the line and didn't miss a beat. <laughs> yeah, and he went right on to whatever we were talking about. So this is Dave. He's waiting for me to put out an anti-church tweet well i'm going to say unequivocally on the record a la jerry sloan you're going to have to wait a hell of a long time (laughs) (laughs) last thing on your tweet before we go and i am lazy i agree on that el (laughs) duderino hence you're sitting in a uh, hotel room in vegas there's like a thousand things to do if you go out the door and you're just sitting in the hotel room <laughs> tweeting about a UVU basketball game at night. <laughs> just can't be bothered. Uh, El Duderino says, I can't wait to see the UVU version of this sticker. And he's got a picture. It looks like it's uh, looks like it's some kind of truck or van, but it's a fairly tight shot of the window. It's got a huge BYU logo. The oval logo, blue, white letters. And next to it, it's got Pac-12 2021 champions. It's got the logo of the five schools they beat, and underneath it has the letter W and then 2416 under the Arizona logo, W2617 under the U logo. Yeah, it's the scores of every game. And it is very well done and precisely done. It looks very professional. If you did it, if you did it in your garage, nice. you did it very well. You may have paid somebody to do it. I've retweeted it in this case says I can't wait to see the UVU sticker uh, version of this. UVU. So is it at one big uh It takes up the whole like window. Sticker? No, or I don't think so. I don't I mean I can't see it exactly. individual ones. I that's looking at it, that's what I think it is. And maybe they did have one big sticker, and that's why it's so geometrically aligned. Like, all the scores are in a perfect line. This isn't like crazy letters bobbing and weaving all over the place if you or I tried to do it. I, I, got, yeah. I got no skill at this. It looked like a mess. This, this was done professionally. And maybe it is a big two-foot-by-two-foot two sticker. It doesn't look like it, though. I think it's separate ones, but I suppose it could be. I retweeted the the uh, picture, so you can go to my Twitter feed and you can see if you're. Well, should I retweet the guy calling me lazy and waiting for my anti Latter Day Saint tweet? I think you should tweet that one negative one, and then you should tweet the twenty five of them who people who put up the the various gifts from pop culture, from famous movies and TV shows, who all thought it was a freaking hilarious tweet. Yeah, but I don't do that though. I, I know, I'm but I think this one time, this one time, you should. <laughs> it just kind of offsets how uptight this guy is and how much fun everybody else. Because the thing that I totally uh, failed to expect or uh, anticipate was that Utes, Cougars, Wolverines, everybody thought that was a hilarious tweet. There was a wide range of people who were like, oh, that's funny. Because it was. That's all it was meant to be. No harm intended. I know, but I get how a lot of times people see the tweets you think are funny and they don't get it. 
But this one, people got it. Not that one guy, but largely people got it. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Pablo Mastroni, RSL's interim coach, joins us next before they head off to Portland for the Western Conference Final Saturday night. Joe Ingles is here at 9 o'clock on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.